0: anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and withered, and they are gathered and thrown them into the fire, and they are burned. But if you do abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. The power of God is revealed in the obedience or in our relationship with him. <laughs> I like that. You're invincible. God has you. Do what... You do for him. Why? First of all, he's glorified. And second of all, so you know God's real in your life. So no longer, see, and this is what's important. When I'm in Jesus, whatever it is that God tells me to do is possible. And I'm outside of Jesus. Maybe I can make it happen, but that isn't necessarily God's will. So when we really come to the understanding, if we live in him, in he in us, Whatever you ask, God will do it. Wow. That is an open... That's like God giving you a whole thing of credit cards and saying, here you go. Go do what you got to do. I was going to say checks. No one uses those anymore. Credit cards. God says, here you go. That's neat. Why is that? Because God wants things done too. The thing is, I've got to align my will with his... And so, as we talked about this before, when you find God is speaking to you, you'll find a thought, an idea that doesn't go away. You'll try, even going la 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 la, la. It's still there. That's God. Okay. Now, again, God has a way of making that happen. You may not at the at the moment, but God does. Again, be careful of doing this, tunnel vision. God wants you to see the big picture. I can't see the big picture apart from Christ. I'll never be able to see that. Now, this is also what we call the walk of faith. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, but not yet seen. So what that simply says is that sometimes, friends, I have to just say, okay, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but let's go do it. And God does. Now, it is amazing to me that God can and does use sometimes our natural abilities that he's given us for his kingdom. I've also found that sometimes God doesn't. We have a case in point in the Bible, and I'm always amazed by this particular thing. Peter was a fisherman, a man's man. Peter was a person that, under interrogation, after he'd walked with Jesus a number of years, would still cuss and swear. The Bible tells us he did. He, uh, remember, in the garden, or excuse me, out in the garden in the courtyard, Jesus is inside being interrogated, blindfold, beaten. little slave girl walks up. You're one of his disciples too, aren't you? The Bible says he started cussing and swearing, saying, I don't know who he is. Peter, a man's man. God finally gets a hold of his heart there on the Sea of Galilee. Comes up to to Peter, Jesus does, and says, Peter, do you, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know, I'm fond of you. I'm giving you the, giving it to you in the Greek. He said, Peter, do you agape me? you really love me. And he says, Lord, you know, I'm fond of you. I think Peter was so scared of saying something that he knew personally, he couldn't live up to based upon the denial in, in the courtyard three times when the cock crew, that he was very careful of what he was going to say. And, and so finally, Jesus came down to his level and he said, Peter, are you fond of me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know, I'm fond of you. But Peter became quite a slugger, if you remember. It was Peter who stood up in the book of Acts chapter 2 with the explanation when everybody was filled with the Spirit. So Peter became quite a a spokesperson for the church. Jesus used him in a great way, and we have his books to read as well about it. Peter was a, a man's man. What an ideal person to send to the world, to the Gentiles, a rough tough guy. I mean, he would be the guy. Then you think about the Apostle Paul, schooled by Gamaliel, raised in the Sanhedrin, in the Pharisees. Now there is a guy that you'd want to send to the Jews. He was already, he was a rabbi. He had all the credentials. And you know what God does? He sends Peter to the Jews and Paul to the Gentiles. Well, why is that? You know, I think God does things like that sometimes, just so we'll be reliant upon him. I I find a lot of times in my life that I can rely on past successes rather than current prayer. You ever notice that in your life? You know, a lot of times we, we find that um, we like formulas. I like formulas. That's what a recipe is for cake. Formula. I like that. You do this, 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 pop it in the oven, whammo! you get a cake. I like that. That's good. God doesn't do it like that. Why is that? Because he doesn't want us to trust in the formula. He wants us to trust in him. Friends, there's a big difference. David was meeting the Philistines, and they got ready to go to battle. And David says, you know, maybe we ought to pray first before we go out to battle. He prayed, and the Lord said, go out and meet them. I'll deliver them into your hand. And so, as God said, he won the battle. In the same chapter, it tells us that later on, they were in the same battle array several years later. And they were all ready to go attack him. And David said, maybe we ought to pray first. Maybe we shouldn't trust the formula. Maybe we ought to pray. And so David prayed and God spoke to uh, David and he said, you shall not go out like you did before. You hide here in the Tibernith trees and let them come to you and surprise attack him. David did that. God gave him the victory. Here's the point. Same battle, same enemy, probably even the same time of day, different plan. We like to trust in plans. We like to trust in experience rather than God. The experience, friends, is not so that we, we get the formula down. It's the experience is to show us that God is faithful. Do you can't get the difference? God is faithful but God changes the parameters. If I continually look through my little tunnel and I'm not really attached to the vine, I'm just out there freewheeling, I'm going to find myself drying up, burning out, (laughs) and literally being burnt. Apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. By this the Father is glorified. That you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. God's desire for us is that there's a lot of things going on in our lives. If you're bored as a Christian, I would say that you might want to consider what vine you're attached to. And you might want to go through that Holy Ghost graft today and get attached to the vine, the main, the real vine, the true vine. He says, because as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide or live in my love. That's what God wants us to do. Live in his love. God doesn't say live in holy jihad. He said live in my love. That's what we want to do. See, living in in love is a lot different than living in rules and regulations. Living in formulas... Living in how I figure God's going to do it based upon my viewpoint of things. Very limited, very tunnel vision. God says, it's time you open up the horizons. That's what God does. God wants to do that for you. He doesn't have favorites. What he's done for others, he will do for you, the Bible tells us. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. It's inexhaustible what God wants to do. The commandments, whoa, well, what are those? Now, that's an ingredient we didn't see before. It came to Jesus. Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said to love God with the whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and the second is like to it. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, upon these two, hang all the law and the prophet. So you love the father, you love God, and you love your fellow man. God's going to open his bountiful blessings upon you so that you will be a blessing to those that you come in contact with. Verse 11, he said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy may be full. <clears throat> That's the purpose of why God does it. He wants us to be joyful. Why do people kill themselves? They're not happy. Do you know there's a difference between happiness and joy? Joy is that let not your heart be troubled. Now here's why. Happiness is based on my surroundings. I'm going down blue lakes. And I have green lights. I'm... Now, when the light turned red, I don't like that. But when it's going my way, I'm happy. Joy is different than happiness. Joy says, in the red lights of your life, you're still going to be happy. You're still going to be at peace. In other words, happiness is based on my surroundings. Joy is based upon something within me that is not tied to my surroundings. Now, if the only time we're happy is when things go our way, that isn't what's coming from God. God says you'll have a joy in your life, as it says here, and that your joy will be full, not based upon your surroundings. How else Could Jesus say in the preceding chapter in verse 1, let not your heart be troubled? Everything is going to go your way. No, it doesn't say that. In fact, a lot of people and a lot of times I've heard the gospel presented that way. After putting Jesus in your pocket, you'll climb to the top. Well, that's not what my Bible tells me. In fact, I found oftentimes people accepted Christ and then were fed to the lions. Well, how could they do that? I don't know, but I know this: their joy was full, and that's the same kind of joy I want. That when things don't go my way, I'm not like some big spoiled crybaby. Have you ever been around? Have you ever been around anybody? Well, let me ask you this question: Have you ever been around a kid that got everything they wanted? Daddy, I want that. Okay, here, I, I want that. Here, I want. That. What do we find? The kid spoiled. Have you ever been around somebody that's grown up in that mentality? Friends, when they're 20, you can't stand to be around them because they think the whole world surrounds them. They've never heard no in their life. Well, the thing is, when we realize that God gives to us, and as we just read, takes out of our lives the things that don't belong, I got to say, okay, God, I got to let it go. You see, that's where God becomes God. It isn't that I am God and Jesus is my puppet. It's that God is God and I serve him. Completely a different mentality. Unfortunately, today in the church, we're finding this flop going on and it isn't Christianity at all. So they don't even want to hear any messages about any heartache that you might have in your your life. If you've ever experienced a subtraction in your life. It's only because God wants to put something better in your life. That is the gospel. If God takes away this life from me, I've got a better life he's going to give me. If God takes anything out of your life, I guarantee you God's going to give you something better. That's where faith comes in. That's where trust comes in. What is it? Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, not yet seen. So we say, okay, God, I'm trusting you in this. I'm going to abide in the branch. I'm going to hold on to you because apart from you, I can't do anything. Take away my limited tunnel vision view of life, expand my horizons and put into my life what will bring about fruit that my joy would be full. You see, it's a lot easier oftentimes to look at formulas than it is to pray. It's a lot easier to look at past successes and say, well, okay, God, I got it figured out. I don't need you. God says, no, you need me every day. Every time, every day, it's a new day with him. Now, why is God like that? Well, it isn't that God doesn't want us to learn, but God wants us to see how he delivers us. But not trust in the formula, but trust in him. Do you get the difference? This is where you begin to see the hand of God. This is where you begin to understand how God works. Yes, we learn from his faithfulness to us. We go, wow, you know, God's going out in battle. Man, God delivered those Philistines right into our hand. That's really cool. Now what are you going to do, God? And so, you know, for a lot of Christians, I can tell you this, your God's too small. Because you're seeing your God through your tunnel vision rather than saying, okay, God, I abandon that. Now you show me what you want me to do. God does not have favorites. And God will use your life as you let him use it. It's never too late to let God do something in your life. And why is that? The very next verse, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you greater love hath no man than this that he lays one's life down for his friends you see god's love is for us and by the way this verse here greater love hath no than this that one lay his life down for his friends by the very nature of that verse it speaks of confrontation So I'm not going to be exempt. You're not going to be exempt, friends, from confrontation in this world when we say we love somebody. It may be that you'll have to interject your own own, uh, heart and your own life to protect somebody else's. But that's okay. That's okay. Let God do that. Because you'll never lose anything, Jesus said, for my sake, that you won't get back a a hundredfold in heaven. Let him bless you. Let him hope. holds you where he wants to keep you and you'll be blessed this morning if you're not a Christian maybe you think you're a Christian but maybe you're not really maybe you've never really said okay God I want to focus on your glory who you are I want you to do the maximum in my life that you can and so I abandon. See, I can't serve two masters. I can't serve what I want and what God wants. So what God does in his neat way is when we serve God, then God gives us some of those things. But I don't come to God with a preloaded pre-list of saying, well, God, now I'll serve you if, as long as you let me keep these things. I just go, God, I don't want to. Only he knows what's going to really mean something tomorrow. Like I said, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't, but God does. So, okay, God, whatever it is you want, that's what I want to do. Pretty simple. Apart from me, Jesus said you can do nothing. Well, this morning, are you apart from Christ? Second question, are you hooked to the true vine? There's a lot of vines. Are you hooked to the true vine? The second thing is, do you have joy in your life? In other words, a settling in your spirit that says, okay, I trust you, God, everything's going to be okay. If those things are lacking, you need to draw close to Christ. Now, how do we do that? What keeps us from getting close to Christ? The Bible says our own selfish ways. That's called sin. We miss the mark. Now, one thing interesting, that's a, a Greek word that means you didn't hit the bullseye. That's what the word sin means. You didn't hit the bullseye. You didn't get the best God has for you. Now, it didn't matter if you hit the outer rings or you shot and you landed the arrow in burley. You didn't hit the bullseye. That's all it means. Now, God wants us to hit the bullseye. The bullseye. The best for you. Don't you know you have a dad in heaven? Just as any of you that have children, you want the very best for your children. That's what God does. He wants the best for you. So what does he do? Well, he says, it's what you're looking at. If you're looking at the world, if you're hooked to a different vine, you're not going to be what I want you to be. So how do we do that? Well, it's by request. You know, it's really funny. I've talked to people before. And they've said things like, well, how, if I pray a prayer, How does that change me? I I mean, I don't see God appear. Oh, Jesus, I have, poof, there's God. Whoa, how'd you do that? That's not the way you did it. Do you know what's really weird? I've been watching, they they had a a, a special on uh, uh, the Chernobyl meltdown and all the problems that have happened. And they said some parts of that region won't be inhabitable for about 150,000 years. And I, I looked at that, and I thought, that is so weird. Because you can pick up a piece of nuclear material, which they showed pieces of it out there. They actually showed this broken-down, abandoned hospital where they took all the firefighters that were exposed when the, the, the core melted down, and it's now just a, a, a giant wasteland. And what was really weird, the guy was showing a piece of this, this uh, um, nuclear material and he said, we don't get near that. He said, that will break down the DNA in your body. And, 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 and that's why you get cancer when, when you get exposed to radiation, because it modifies the cells to the point where you can't. So though it doesn't happen immediate, your body's not able to reproduce the cells, and you get cancers and tumors, and, and you die. And it hit me. I go, you know, it's It's weird. You pray a prayer, and you ask God to change you. Well, God doesn't appear in front of you, but God is changing you. Like picking up a piece of nuclear material. It doesn't hurt. I can hold it in my hand, set it on my head, juggle it. I don't see how that's doing anything, but it is. And when you accept Christ as your Savior, God is changing you as well. And though I may not see it, or may not even be able to sometimes feel it, it is changing everything about you. Now, you think about that, if that's the way it works in nuclear fusion, how much more in the spiritual world where God, the creator of the universe, says, I'm going to come inside of you. You and me, me and you, Jesus said. You can ask what you will, and I'll do it. Aligning our purpose with God. If you've never prayed and asked Christ in your life this morning, we're going to pray right now. And then you can ask Jesus to come into your life and ask him to change you. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I repent from the foolish way that I have lived. So from now on, I want your purpose to be mine. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. And so I ask you now, come into my life. Make me the best I can be for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I'll have power over sin. And thank you for eternal life, that I may spend it with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on It's Time. As Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible, if you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash Time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.